0: Hi, mental Melissa here, uh, sitting on my front porch. It's a little windy, but it's just too hot to be in my cubby cubbyhole uh, in the back of the house. <laughs> um, so, bear with me, and hopefully you'll be able to not be distract- distracted by the wind. Um, so, I know a lot of times I talk about how much I love the friends and family group that I go to. And I am going to venture into uh, the women's mood disorder group and just kind of get a feel. Do, do I like this? Can I even hang with this? Is it going to be too much for me? I okay, you know I can't afford to uh, get so wrapped up in my illness that I fall apart. And therapy can be like that for me. It can be very uh, all-encompassing and in my experience, which is not a ton, but I would say I've had maybe six uh, therapists, psychologists, a mix of them in the past 20 um, <laughs> some years. <laughs> um, and it's very easy for them to push. And then for you to feel like you've got to make this ginormous headway. I'm having to come in. I have people all around me. Uh, it's a nice day. People are getting ready to go on trips. But I can't find a little private place to, to be today. Um, so I will come in the house, close this door. And maybe just sit here in my rocker. Nobody's home. It's Father's Day. My boyfriend and his children have gone to see his family, um, who I am no longer speaking to, but alas, that is another story. Um, all right, I'm settled. Uh, where was it? Oh, so therapy for me can be very overwhelming. Because it's it can be very thought provoking if you have a good therapist, and well, even if you don't have a good therapist, it can be thought provoking. And then if that person is then leading you down a path that you're not like willing to or ready, or isn't why you fucking came to see the therapist, but you know they they've, they've got a dig, and you're like, hey, that's great, but let's really just stay here and focus on this for a little bit, and I'll let you know when I'm ready to move on um, anyway <clears throat> um, so I, I like my therapy my group therapy and I would say every every other week somebody asks something that's very um, thought-provoking uh, maybe not at the time maybe not to the the whole group but um, one of the parts of my illness is replaying everything it happens several times. Um, not necessarily at night, although a lot of the time it is at night. Um, driving is one of those times when my mind just can kind of process. Um, there are definitely days when I like to have the radio on, and then there are other days when I can't stand it because I really do need to process things just in the back recess of my mind, and the music is too distracting, so, it, you know, it's just interesting, and there's obviously a lot um, that there's not time for, that's not appropriate, it's not a Melissa therapy session, so, uh, again, I just file it away, hopefully, hoping that I can remember it, until um, I get home, or sometimes I'm blessed and I write it down the minute I get in the car, uh, this, well, now it's been two weeks. 2 weeks ago um the context uh there's a a dad and he has a son who's uh i think late late 20s early 30s and he was diagnosed uh bipolar and uh, i think i think bipolar 1 and he's really had some uh, psychotic type breaks where he is um, feeling that uh, the Hebrew God is um, speaking to him and giving him direction. And so he quit his job and drove from, I don't know if it was Ohio or, no, not Cincinnati, Cleveland, no, they're all Ohio, uh, Chicago. I don't know down to Florida he was living with a guy a friend and just said hey I gotta go I've got this calling got in his car and drove emptied out his uh, bank account and um, was basically living in his car Um, I find it interesting like I said I love this this group because I sit there and it's like a mirror or a window window not a mirror into um, mood disorders um, that I don't have to sit down and read. It's just there in front of me. So, this dad says, you know, his son has given up everything, walked away, driving down to Florida, blown all his money, and yet remembers to call his parents with regularity. This is the interesting shit that you cannot make up. You can have... A mental illness, you can lose your grasp on reality and sometimes still hang on enough to be able to contact your loved ones. Now um, he was reaching out to his parents for various reasons just to reassure them mainly that he was okay even though they Uh, believed otherwise to explain his plan Um, and then you know just but just reaching out and that's hard to imagine somebody who's having uh, an episode like this to have the little shred of wherewithal to call his mom and dad Um, of course and that stresses them the hell out you know mom and dad are losing their shit um, because they don't know what to do, and there's no legal recourse I mean that's the hard thing for parents of teenagers and the friends and parents of people who have mental illness it's hard for them to grasp that they really have no legal recourse um, i don't I don't know what the process is to get uh, the rights to manage someone's life um, an adults I don't I don't know how that works but so there's a lot of had a lot of people come in and they're not trying to do it for a mean reason they just want their child to be safe, their sibling to be safe, their parent to be safe and they just want to control the situation so if they can't hurt themselves or do damage. And I wholeheartedly get that. But there's not a mechanism that allows you to do that as long as that person is not um, hurting themselves. Um, you know, so he came out finally and probably did some pot because I'm in Colorado. It's legal here. And... um It may be in Florida by now, too. But, um... Saw his parents still in this manic episode. And so, they convince him to go to one of our uh, psych units. And he goes because he wants to show his parents that he is fine. And he he is not manic. He's he's fine. So, um, I guess the people you meet with who kind of do your evaluation um, quickly picked up on the fact that he was he was very not fine and so they put him in on a 72 hour hold you like to think this 72 hour hold turns into something but even though he was talking to God uh, that wasn't enough to hold him beyond that so he leaves. So this dad has come in a couple times. The mom came in once, and I think she just got to, she didn't want to, sometimes it's hard to hear the things this group tells you you've got to do, which is let go and um, stand back and not, not not, battle with the person, because there's, there's no way to win that. Um, so whenever new people come in you know you go through this again and and I think that's good because each time you see it 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 makes a little more sense like the first time you know you jump in there I jump in there I'm like no you know do this and try that and you know there's gotta be a way and yeah there's not a fucking way the way is this person has to um, want it or realize they need it um but you know just just like having a loved one that's an alcoholic um, they can legally be an alcoholic and they can be very destructive on everybody's lives around them but legally they can be an alcoholic Um, drugs are not legal so uh, it used to be thought process that you know Somebody could come get get that person who was doing drugs and haul them off and get them clean, and, and, but then they come right back out, and if it wasn't their choice or if they haven't had their moment, um, nothing happens. So, that's where this dad is. He's still trying to figure stuff out. His heart is breaking. Um, he feels like his life is very out of control, and and it is, um, being caught up in the tailwinds or even just in the middle of somebody's life, you know, that's just completely fucking out of control. It is, it wears on you, it tears you down, it beats you down. Uh, It causes you to fight with your spouse because you want to handle things differently and it's just, it's rough. So it was a really rough um, meeting, and it ended up going over because there was a, another person there who was new and kind of in a crisis situation. Um, so he the, the facilitator tried to give us all just a few minutes to talk and to kind of gauge where, where we were at. And Anyway, so towards the end... Um, uh, the facilitator turned to me, or looked at me, and said, uh, Melissa, uh, what was your rock bottom? What, what? Because he's trying to explain to this dad, because that night I was the only bipolar person actually attending. Um, not just friends or the family of somebody bipolar, but an actual, uh, <laughs> an actual bipolar person was sitting there. Um, so he asked me that, and... That's the first time I've been asked that. Um, Many years ago I was blessed to hear my mom uh, in one of her annual, you know, this is my AA birthday. I to hear her talk about hers and um, so I hadn't really thought about mine because I don't have this like dramatic Moment, um, and so I'm sitting there with everybody looking at me, and I'm trying to kind of think, what the hell was my rock bottom? Uh, and I was like, well, why? Why did I initially go in? And so then it dawns on me, and I'm like, oh, well, I initially went in to be seen uh, by a psychiatrist because um, my life was just out of control. I was. Drinking heavy, heavy, heavy on a regular basis. I was having very risky sex with uh, people I would meet in nightclubs. Um, I was doing drugs, and and like in my mind, <laughs> um, you know, this isn't rock bottom because I wasn't some young woman on the streets like selling myself to get drugs beat up and you know rough um I was a party girl I was having an awesome time I was you know 18 19 20 21 22 I was having an awesome time 21 I think I um I was teaching ballroom dance um We'd snort coke, we'd drink, we'd go dancing, Uh, a lot of drinking and driving uh, because it just really never dawned on me that I would be somebody who might hurt somebody. That was for like drunks and I was not a drunk. Um, So one day, oh, and, and I was very depressed. I didn't know that word yet. I still didn't know that word yet. Um, I was sleeping a lot at weird times because I couldn't sleep at night because my mind was racing um and the insomnia and the racing mind that I'd had since I was like twelve thirteen was just getting worse um and I was trying to be a grown up and maintain a job, so it was it was wearing on me. Um, I don't think I missed any work. And most of the time I had weekends off, but it would be nothing for me to sleep um, really early on a Friday night through late Saturday afternoon and then get up and go party with my girlfriends. And same thing for Sunday. And then Monday was like the bitch of all bitches. And, And then I'd probably come home early not early, but, you know, normal time. And eat and go to sleep. So there really wasn't a lot of, um... Like, I wasn't awake a lot. You know? Uh... And... There was a point where I knew that the the drugs were... Really, it was about to tip for me. Things were really about to go to shit and get really bad. Um... Because I I think, well, I don't think, I know. um, The girl who was my friend who I primarily did drugs with and I were going through um, an eight ball of cocaine in an evening. And, And to better explain that, I mean, like, I would already have snorted a couple lines and be flying like a kite, and I couldn't stop. There was no stopping. As long as we still had more, I was doing more. Um, And when it was done, um, even though I was beyond fucked up, I already had um, an energy of the addiction of how am I going to get more? Like, I, I, I shouldn't need any more for five more days. I'm that fucking coked up. But... I'm already stressing where am I going to get more because it's expensive, and i don't want to do things with men to get this, so maybe I wasn't that far from um, being on the street um, selling myself for drugs uh, it didn't happen, and i don't it, it wouldn't have been uh like what I imagine of like a crack whore. Um, Because there were plenty of men who I worked with and danced with that would have seen that as an easy opportunity. Um, But it really doesn't divide me very far from what I imagined was the life of a a crack whore. And at this time, you know, this is in the time of, let's see, this would be early 90s. Um, when the mayor of D.C. got caught with the whores (laughs) doing drugs. So, you know, that was always kind of the mental picture I had in my head, um, was these skinny-ass, whacked-out, no-sense-making whores, you know, trying to get their next fix. Truth be told, like I'm saying now, um, I at the time I might have been 100, 105 pounds. Um, and after doing Coke for a little over a year, was probably at 85, maybe 90 pounds. Um, and I'm pretty sure the sugar in the alcohol was the only thing keeping me. Um, from, from losing weight because um, I didn't eat. Um, I used my dad's Texaco credit card that he gave me so I could put gas in my car because I was a struggl- struggling young person. And even though I could pay most of my bills, uh, I couldn't pay all of them. So he would let me put gas in my car using that card. Well, I started using that card at their little mini-marts to buy cans of green beans or cans of corn. And that's what I would eat for dinner. Uh, very rare for me to be able to afford meat. Um, I'd go to my mom's for that. And she would cook us dinner, cook me dinner. So, at some point, everything that I couldn't see was happening. Like, I couldn't see how physically bad I looked. Um, I didn't know there was only a thin, thin line separating my Uh, anxiety in how to get more drugs from that of a crack whore. Um, uh, I wasn't eating. I don't know. It was just, it was very messed up. And I know this is weird, and um, I've said this to other people, and they looked at me like I was crazy. Other people who've done cocaine and this, they didn't get this, but... um, like, uh, the cocaine that we were getting with regularity um, just reeked of gasoline, and that's all I could smell in my nose, and sometimes in my mouth, but mainly in my nose. So, um, so I'm, I'm just a mess, and I called my mom, uh, who I've already said is uh, a recovering alcoholic, and she... This is one of the times, cause she, had, she had a couple of times before everything took for her, but this was a, one of the, a couple of the times when um, things took for her, and uh, she met me at some coffee shop and was like, okay, here's, here's the game plan, um, you need to find a meeting, you need to go to the meeting, and you need to move out of this house with this girl that you're living with, who is your coke buddy. Um, And I was like, okay, that's the plan.